everybody. Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week we bring business people to talk about the business of cannabis. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of Branding Bud Consulting Group and the author of Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I'm here with my co-host, Adriana Hemans, a marketing expert and cannabis expert with over eight years in the industry. And as I call her, my BCF, my best cannabis friend. Welcome, Adriana. Hi, David. Thank you. I love that intro. <laughs> BCF forever. I'm going to get you a little necklace that has like half of a heart and it says BCF on it. I love that. Maybe we should get uh, tattoos together. <laughs> that would be a good episode. We'll we'll do it live at the tattoo shop. We'll stream it on LinkedIn. Okay, um, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Insider scoop. We uh, if I see a few a few people rolling in to the page to to watch the stream, and I just wanted to call out that if you are joining us for the first time, or even if you've been here a million times before. A friendly reminder to interact with, with us and you can ask questions of our guests. You can just say hi in the chat. You can um, tell us where you are coming from, like where you're physically in the world right now. Let us know if you're doing dry January this month. And if you are, are you glad it's almost over? <laughs> well, that's interesting. And hello, everybody. I see Aaron. Thank you, Aaron, for joining. And hello from Bermuda. Hello, Kim. Oh, Aaron says he's having audio issues. Yes. Is anyone else having audio issues? If you are, let us know. Sorry to interrupt you, David. No, that's fine. We're just, I was looking at the same thing. So hello, Brandon, also from the cannabis team, cannabis team staffing. Um, that's awesome. We got some great people here today and our favorites as well. Fixed. All right. Nice. That was a close one. I know. Talia, we've got people from all over, from L.A. to Bermuda, you name it. Sacramento. Hi, Justin. Hi, Talia. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a great, we have a great show, and I'm really excited about it. Um, today, we're going to be talking about building community within cannabis, which is really awesome, because that's what we do. Um, we, we have awesome guests on, and we try to talk about, you know, real-world um topics that affect all of us in the cannabis industry. So that said, uh, stick around. We're going to be talking about some really great things. Specifically, how do we build and nurture uh, supportive build us, build business communities? Boy, I can't speak this morning, Adriana. How do we build and nurture supportive business communities? And what are the most effective tools for building those? And mm -hmm. how important is brand? Because we're branding Bud and branding Bud Live. So how important is brand um, you know, in and while building community? And we'll talk about that with our guests who really not only have their own brands that they've created together, but their own personal brands. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about how that all comes together and, uh, and plays into building community. Yeah, brand and community, it's a good combo. Absolutely. It, it is. I don't know if I don't know if you can have one without the other to a certain degree. Yeah, that's a good point, especially now, which we'll dig into in a minute. Um, and before we jump in, I just want to say hi to someone who joined us from Lesotho, Southern Africa. Welcome. This is so cool. I love having uh, international folks here. And hi to Tone from Ohio and hi to Jordan. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming back. Absolutely. Hello, Jordan. Thanks for coming back. That's awesome. Well, I'm super excited to um, introduce our guests. 
Um, and we'll be talking about a whole bunch of things we share. As usual, we share our audience participation. So we've got some really interesting stats to kind of, you know, back up what we're talking about. And I guess that leads into, right, the 100% THC, 0% WTF. We're always looking for the truth, if you will, and, and contextualizing the conversation. So, um, so stick with us. We've got some really great stats, which we think uh, we might be able to test the audience's industry knowledge and, and perhaps even stump them. So uh, I am super excited today. We have uh, two really great guests, and we'll be chatting with Parisa Rad and Adelia Carrillo, co-founders of The Blunt Brunch, among others. And we'll talk about that later. They have uh, other companies, but they're co-founders of The Brunt Brunch. Brunt Blunch. Sorry. Blunt Brunch. You got it. You got I it. did not speak today at all. I'm sorry. Sorry for messing that up. Anyway, let, let's welcome them in and let them talk. Um, so I can remain silent. Hello there. Hi, Parisa. Hi, Adelia. Welcome. We know it's a little bit of a tongue twister sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> this is awesome to have you here. Let's Let's kick it off. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you met and then how you came to be working together and partnering together? Yeah. Absolutely. Go for it, Adelia. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, just I'll go quickly over the beginning. Uh, I'm actually from the consumer electronic industry. I, I was planning on building a whole career in that industry. I, I love technology, innovation, and, and I thought that was going to be my life. Um, you know, life obviously pulls you into its own journey for you as a human. And um, I ended up... Um, having some pregnancy complications, um, which led me down a path um, that reunited me to cannabis. You know, I, I consumed cannabis when I was younger, but it was definitely naive and recreational use. And as I went through this experience with this pregnancy complication, um, pregnancy really transformed my life from a medicinal aspect. It opened my eyes to so much more that it could do. And um, by seeing how much it changed me not only physically and emotional and, and emotionally and healing wise, but also as as an individual, um, I wanted to leave that industry. I wanted to go into an industry that I was connected with and felt passionate about. And so that led me to cannabis. Um, I had a, a first company, which was a digital media news network. Um, then uh, building a company is hard. So after about seven and a half, almost eight years of building that company, I ended up closing it and took the CMO position at Event High, which is an online ticketing platform catering to the cannabis culture. Um, so we work with event organizers, event goers, and brands. And then again, you know, things transition in my life and um, COVID happened, hitting our business very hard. We are a national company working with event organizers nationally and um, that, that, that almost closed our business, but um, we decided to change things around and pivot. And during that pivot, we also decided to move to Arizona where I reunited from a, making Prisa a social online friend to an actual friend. And, and then I'll let her take it on there into what evolved from that. <laughs> yeah, um, very cool. Thank you for sharing, Adelia. Your journey is, is just super special and you're somebody that I've respected a long time in the industry. So it is an honor to be able to be business partners now. Um, as Delia mentioned about her past, you know, a very personal attachment to cannabis for myself as well. Um, I started my journey in the cannabis industry because my daughter 
at the age of 14 was um, permanently damaged by opioids and placed into palliative care, which essentially means there's no cure for her condition. Her stomach is permanently paralyzed from the prescription opioids. So um, as a desperate mom, I was just looking for some resolution to her chronic pain and nausea, and we found cannabis, thankfully. So fast forward seven years later, uh, this I not only transformed our advocacy into uh, business ventures and opportunities, but also as a pathway to advocate and connect women in the industry. And that's been a real passion for me. So alongside pediatric cannabis, I would say women empowerment and creating space for other women in this space has been uh, a driving force for me for the last seven to eight years. And so as Adelia mentioned, to bring you up to speed, um, wow, in 2020, uh, she moved to Arizona where I reside. And yes, we connected just over this, you know, casual brunch. We're like, we need to get together, introduce you to some of these Arizona ladies. And, you know, we'll just get everybody together for a brunch. Who doesn't like brunch? And it was amazing the energy that we had at that table that day. It was just like, a breath of fresh air. We could be blunt and honest about everything that was going on during COVID and more. And it was just so refreshing to not have to be in a networking scenario where you have to pitch your best self and, you know, kind of put on this persona. It was like, oh my gosh, let me be vulnerable with you guys right now. Let me tell you what's really going on. And surprisingly, everybody else is feeling these same experiences. And, you know, we were just bonding and it felt so good. We were like, we have to do this again. And um, thus, Blunt Brunch was born. Well, Blunt refers to being blunt, not just smoking a blunt. No, no, we can do that before or after, but we're here for blunt conversations. (laughs) (laughs) It totally works, either way. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not saying these ladies don't like blunts, but, you know. Yeah, that's that's how Blunt Brunch came to be. And it's evolved into something so much more now. You know, we started it with uh, bi-monthly events. So every other week we were having these intimate brunches because – there's just so many women that wanted to come. We we're like, oh my gosh, we got to do these more than once a month because we can't get everybody in the restaurant, you know? And the, the concept was to remain intimate because that was where we can really be vulnerable and, and share. And it wasn't all negative. Like when I say vulnerable, it's like, you know, we were also celebrating each other's wins and accomplishments that week. And, and then we found as we evolved, like a topic for each brunch. And so we would come with the topic already planned. And um, we just found so many breakthroughs happening and relationships being built that we decided that we needed to grow it on a larger scale so that other women in other cities could also experience the Blunt Brunch. Uh, Per their request, by the way, we were getting hit up from everywhere. So we opened up the opportunity for other women to host Blunt Brunches socials, and they are called our co-hosts. And they host events in Phoenix, Tucson, we've had San Diego, Las Vegas, and New Mexico, all being hosted by other women and allowing them an opportunity to not only lead their communities by hosting these events, but even make um, revenue for themselves by selling sponsorships and tickets and, and that sort of thing. So really empowering these women to be true leaders in their community and giving them an opportunity to monetize off of what we built. That's very cool. I, you know, to be honest with you, I never, um, 
the way you described it now, it sounds like a franchise to me. Where I never, you know, where I never use was that on. term lightly. There's a lot behind yeah. a franchise. We okay, don't listen. I don't want to get into legal mumbo jumbo here, but <laughs> forgive me. Um, but it's just it's intriguing. Um, you know, having never thought of it that way, but also never realizing that there was such a need that you know that there was a pull from around the country for these uh, for these you know. Uh, brunches and you're right who doesn't love brunch you know the one thing forgive me because i was tongue-tied before i didn't call out parisa that you were known as the marijuana mama which you you explained and and that you were um, named a, a top 10 uh, women in 2021 by the women in weed magazine and i just yeah and i'm also president of 420 collections which i'm proudly wearing our logo here today 420 uh it's a women-owned brand um and now dispensary and retail retail manufacturing and grow facility as well in new mexico so we've, we've expanded outside of arizona so um very excited to be leading communities in different facets of of this um exciting cannabis industry <laughs> well so talk about that for a moment you know like talk about personal brand because obviously the two of you have come together. You're also doing things on your own. Um, you know, you're very dynamic. Um, how does how does personal brand come into play as you you know as you play within the industry? Work <laughs> you know, it was kind of funny. I guess getting into the industry, I kind of branded myself, so to speak, as the marijuana mama, just by virtue of sharing my experiences as a mom using cannabis and giving it to my daughter to use as a medicine as well. Um, and so, just you know being on Instagram and, and, and Facebook, sharing our journey, uh, connected me with so many people and building an online community via branding myself was really where um, I probably was in these opportunities to be named top woman or, or whatever, you know, that was, that was such an honor, um, but I, I accept it humbly. <laughs> so just saying, um, I think branding plays a, a monumental part of that, you know, being able to be recognizable and um, relatable and people to know, okay, yeah, you're the mom. Okay. Marijuana mama, you know, that makes sense. So, and same with blunt brunch, you know, we're, we're really trying to uh, focus on the bluntness part of it. I know that sometimes people get confused because of the double entendre, but um, I, I just find that branding yourself or your business is the key to being successful in any industry. So <laughs> and let's let's get into the role of community too. And and this question maybe Adelia could could take it first. Um, why is it important to have a community when you're like building a brand? Um, you know, this is a great question. So building community has really on like honestly always been a very important role to me, but it became an even bigger role as I got connected to cannabis. You know, every cannabis business that I have built or, or been a part of has had community in their own mission and values, especially Event High and especially Blunt Brunch. And why is community important? Well, you know, community unites us. That's plain and simple. Being part of a community can make us feel as though we are part of something even greater than ourselves. And there really are so many positive aspects that we as people desire. You know, people enjoy giving and receiving support from each other. Being of influence provides a feeling of empowerment and influences positive change. Um, sharing within communities stimulates innovation and growth and connection as humans, and it allows us to build relationships and give each of us a sense of belonging. So it really comes to us coming together as a collective, uh, giving people a chance to feel inspired, solve problems, share humor, 
uh, vent their frustrations, but also, as Parisa said, share their achievements. And, and that's exactly what we built within our own community at, at Bump Ranch. Adelia, you gave me goosebumps. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Well said. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. And this is why she's a community leader. <laughs> it, it makes sense. You know, Adelia, one thing you said earlier, too, um, you, you spoke about intimacy. You spoke about the size of the events, that they were local events. Um, you know, it's it's just it's kind of interesting to to really talk about, I, I guess, tribalism, feeling connected, feeling um, um, part of something, and and then where that's intimate, but then also maybe something that's that becomes, you know, that's a that becomes a movement. And I think I think in some ways, you know, we could certainly say cannabis is that. Um, we we have a slide, and I just want to talk about brands for a moment and how brands. <clears throat> kind of tie into maybe movements or, or tie into, you know, trends. And um, we kind of, Adriana and I have spoken about this a lot and, and we came up with this, I don't know, sort of uh, quick, quick overview. And this, this slide will be coming up in a minute, but this quick overview of how brands have changed, you know, since the 1950s and just really super quickly. And, and I'll bring this full circle into what we're talking about, um, you know, is, like when you think about the 1950s and 60s, it was really about convenience and efficiency. You know, maybe maybe through mass production, um, the beginning of mass production and modernization, we were looking for certain things back then. And so it was really things like, you know, miles per gallon. Um, and then in the 70s and 80s, things really were more about how they made us feel. So maybe it wasn't miles per gallon, it was miles per hour. You know, it was our hair blowing in the wind of the convertible car that we just bought, not necessarily the efficiency of that car. And then as we kind of got into um, 1990 and through 2010, you know, it was really about um, inclusion and exclusion. It was about social status, right? So so this way of sort of creating groups by what we wore and, and who we hung out with, although it was always who we hung out with, but now from a quick glance, we knew if somebody was our people or not. And then now, and I just kind of bring this full circle, we're, we're in this phase now where that has evolved into beliefs. So whether it's, you know, Patagonia or seventh generation or whatever it is, there's so many brands now we could talk about that people buy because and consume because they believe in it. I think it's really interesting because these are, these are patterns of communities, right? These are, these are, ways that brands have sort of um, effectively conveyed their promise um, and sell products, you, you know, to consumers based on that. And so it's just interesting, you know, because when Adriana and I were talking about this, we, we think about like, okay, what is it to create a community in cannabis? And we do see these different communities forming, um, yet we're a community, a larger community, yet there's these sub communities. And it's just interesting to try to get a, a grasp on that and sort of figure out where where we could add the most value and, and maybe how all these sub communities can come together in a way to to get onto that bigger more important push you know whatever it might be instead of the the individual um you know communities within and their needs and and not this to say to be specific their needs are really important and they're the pillars that build up to the overall you know um overarching um, mm -hmm. movement 
So it's just interesting to sort of see this. And, and so that's why we're asking you questions about your personal brand and, you know, um, the Blunt Brunch and Event High and, you know, how do these things sort of work? And, and, and we could take this slide down now, but, you know, we'll, we'll sort of um, kind of morph through these questions where we talk, talk about online versus offline and, and smaller versus larger and, and, you know, the importance of community within that and how we sort of connect. So, so thanks for listening to that really long-winded you know, uh, that was, not long at that all. was that interesting, was actually. I liked yeah. that little timeline. That was cool. It really it's was. Just, it's just interesting when you think about brands and you think about people and you think about how we're all connected and mm -hmm. what's what's meaningful to us and why. Yeah. And what drives us. And I, I like that bringing it to the current, you know, because um, I think a lot of people nowadays are more uh, conscientious of where they want to put their dollars and they want to get behind brands that actually resonate with their values. Yeah. So I really like that you pointed that out. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like the role of community has gotten, it's gotten more important since the nineties, right? But even so, more important since 2020. Like we need oh, to find totally. connection to help, you know, the, I think people felt a lot of isolation during that time. So that the need and desire to connect has been even more, you know, yeah, prevalent. Of really good point. Yeah. Um, Parisa, do you have any like examples of, uh, you know, brands that are doing a good job building community or have sort of like put that as part of their um, evolution and, and coming forward and, and finding people that will be their customer base who also share their same values? Yeah, I mean, I think 420 is a perfect example of that. Um, our platform has been designed to create a given a buy and give program within our our model where we give back 25% to our 15 group homes throughout the valley where we help men and women who are suffering from homelessness and mental health um, issues and we help rehabilitate them so that's been a big staple for the brand 420 collections and uh, really built that into the branding as far as giving back and and you know, using the platform as education to build the community of people that would care about these individuals. And it's been amazing the love that we've received from the cannabis industry as in comparison to other industries, they are so much more open to um, dealing with addiction and mental health. I feel like those things are more prevalent within our industry and we're really, really sensitive to that. So um, thankfully we've received a lot of love from our community, but you know, just to shout out our own 420 collections. Also, Blum Brunch has done a great job of branding. I gotta say, you know, <laughs> we've been seeing a lot of love in the in the chat too. I want to call out a comment from Justin Mendez, who said, "Well said, David. Creating a collaborative platform that gives cannabis micro communities the tools they need to gather their tribe, manage them, and monetize them. That's my goal with Weed Society. Thank you for your comment, Justin. Yeah, thank you, Justin." Aw, and I see Ingrid Faye wrote, Collective Healing Happens in This Community. I love this. Yes, it does. It really does. It they does. Plant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where, that, right, that's, that's where it all starts is the love for the plant, is, as far as I'm concerned. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, Adelia, I, forgive me earlier for not introducing Event High and you as being the, the co-founder as well, but, you know, creating a platform uh, specifically for cannabis events um, and then running um, Blunt Brunch as well. You know, talk to us about the, the opportunity um, for, you know, to, to build community both online and offline, if you will. 
Um, well, so this has been pivotal offline and online. You know, one of the things that we really learned coming from the event high perspective is especially when the pandemic happened, we had to help our event organizers learn how to build community online because they were so driven and, and uh, focused around in-person events. And so during that time as a company, it also allowed us to look in and really understand the importance of online communities. You know, we were able to experience virtual lives, like 3D virtual worlds of these events. We've had live streams that were fundraising events with entertainment. There was educational courses that were happening. And with that component, what we learned is not all of that's going to fit every community. You really need to understand what your community, what your community wants and, and resonates to. And then that's how you'll be able to build the activation or the experience you want virtually. Um, and then when it comes to in-person events, you know, it has its, its own need. You know, we're seeing from a bigger picture, we're seeing all different types of events happening throughout the U.S. And literally, you are going to find your tribe in everything. We've seen from jazz and cannabis to a sushi, uh, sushi and doobie event where you roll your own sushi and you roll it. You learn how to roll a joint as well. That's so cool. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you're also seeing now brands. We're seeing a lot of brands look at events, uh, in-person events as a marketing tool to, you know, get in front of them. You know, we're, we're so restricted in advertising and cannabis. And by getting hosting an event around your brand, getting the right consumer to be there and attend, you can educate. They can feel it. They can sense it. They can enhance all the senses around it to really connect and understand your brand. So we're really seeing a power of events, not just online, but, but in a virtual standpoint as well. And, and just a quick question to follow up on that. Um, because you're in multiple states and multiple markets, do you see different topics being brought up versus the, the image, you know, relative to the immature versus mature uh, cannabis markets? Definitely. So we are in 48 states and not we're not legal in 48 states yet. So a lot of those that are not that don't have any uh, recreational or medicinal programs yet, we're seeing education. We're also seeing an interesting one, which is which, you know, take it as it is, but it's how to make money in cannabis or, or they're still using the terms green rush, get involved in the green rush. So it's interesting how they're tapping into that that kind of uh, approach. Um um, in those kind of states. And then, you know, the California markets, like, obviously has been around doing events for a very long time. We're now also seeing a, a difference in, in cost points and ticket, uh, ticket prices. So California is going a little bit lower now in ticket prices compared to New York, where New York is able to, you know, do increased ticket prices compared to what California used to be able to do. So there's a lot of different changes that we are seeing. Um, throughout each of the different states, whether it's the experience, whether it's the cost size, whether it's the audience size, um, it all definitely varies from state to state. I wanna call out a comment here that has to do with the regionality that we're seeing um, from Jen. I really appreciate that you can build community online, which helps to include disabled people, especially those of us who have to continue isolating post COVID and those in very rural areas who may not be exposed to the cannabis community just by nature of their location. She brings a good point. You know, yeah. we, we are, you know, for us, like sometimes I think we're in a bubble because there, there are still so many people impacted right now. It, it, it hasn't fully gone away, you know, and we have to remember that. So virtual events are still very important. Okay. And hi to Kansas, my home state.
Looks like everybody is warmed up in the chat. So why don't we go ahead and do our first round of audience participation. Um, and this is a stat that came from a UCLA study and I'll give you all the background on the study itself. But the question is what percentage of communication effectiveness is determined by nonverbal cues? Is it A, 54%, B, 67%, C, 81%, or D, 93%? And feel free to drop your guesses in the chat. Uh, this study is very often cited, but I think to really understand what they were looking at, it deserves a little bit more context. Uh, this was, um, they looked at different pillars of communication. Words was one of them, but the other parts were um, vocal elements, meaning your tone of voice, the pitch of your voice, um, and then nonverbal elements, like how you're standing, your body language, your expression, your eye contact, uh, to figure out like how people were being influenced by the speaker and what percentage was words and what percentage were these other um, non-word components. I see a lot of guesses for D. This is a super famous study too. So people have probably stumbled across it in their, in their research before. You know, but what's interesting is when I, when I looked at this, um, you know, and I went through each one of the numbers, when I got to D, I started to think, well, does that mean 7% or a portion of 7% are verbal cues, right? Which got me to thinking if that number is true, I should be shutting up, I should shut up more and just use leverage my 93%. Um, but uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, what, what do you think, Adelia and Parisa? I mean, it, it, if I go towards 93%, I'm like, wow, no wonder in-person events are so important, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's, wow. I, I don't know. I'm leaning yeah. towards C or D, too. Um, but, I mean, I have to say we're still very effective with communication, like verbal. <laughs> there's, there's still an important, you know, we need it still. <laughs> right. We still need the words in there. Yeah, we still need the words, but... <laughs> We have, I think, we're getting a lot of guesses, which is awesome. I'm seeing a lot of C's. Probably it looks like about 50% C's, 40% D's. Nobody said A yet. Nobody guessed A yet. Everybody thinks it's more than 50%. So that's saying something, you know? Mm -hmm. That's right. Let's reveal the answer. <laughs> the answer is. I feel like we need that game show music. Right? <laughs> and it's 93%. Wow. Everyone who picked D, you're a winner. <laughs> and I see Jason McHugh is a winner. Hello, Jason McHugh from Califari, giving you a shout out. And Jerome Hanway is also a winner. Yeah. And Aaron has Lots of winners. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. We're Oprah today. We're <laughs> <laughs> a winner. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that the, uh, there are audio issues apparently with a few people, but, uh, bear with us here is, uh, we'll try to use our body language more so they can understand this. That's <laughs> we just leveraged the last stat. We can get through this because we have 3% uh, ways of communicating with each other. The words are only 7%. So we're just going to smile a lot. And yeah, really... there you go. We're still giving that good energy. You know? That's right. Absolutely. Parisa, um, you know, 
do you find real world events to be more productive and, and satisfying? Dare I even use that word? Um, do you, can you can you communicate can you communicate more effectively? Um, you know, in person or or uh, or online. I'm curious. I mean, I definitely feel like in person, I can I I can communicate better in person and and really get to know somebody on a deeper level. But I don't want to say online is just there's no value there. I mean, look at the huge community that I've built on Instagram and all the people that I've been able to meet and connect with online. So I definitely think that there's value in both. Um, but if I were to choose one, I would definitely choose an in-person event over an online just because of, you know, being able to really enjoy the person and get to know them on a deeper level. I feel like that that intimate connection is, is there in person more. Yeah. And Adelia, you do a lot of virtual events too. This is a question I'm always asking myself. Is it possible to have that immersive experience in a virtual setting, in your opinion? You know, I think creating that atmosphere, again, it is tough. It, it can be very tough. Um, kind of going back to when looking at what I, we've seen at Event High with those experiences that I, I shared about earlier and in the pandemic, uh, it, it did show that it was vital. Um, but how we've been able to really implicate it, implement it here at Blunt Branch, you know, we saw that in-person events, we incorporated what we call blunt conversations, which we shared a little bit about earlier. These are conversations that are important to us as women and topics that we may not be able to have in front of our, our team members or male counterparts, um, just because they might be a little bit more vulnerable or, or just certain topics that we personally would just want to share within our own um, tribe. And so we saw that being very valuable and we saw and listened to our audience that was outside of those those in-person events. And we're like, we need to do something. We need to bring this virtually. We need to see if it has that same impact. And so we started launching Blunt Conversations Live weekly online. Um, it makes it accessible to anyone but especially to our uh, Blunt Brunch community online. And they get access to these women and get to gain so much value and insight and perspective around these Blunt conversations. And we, we diversify it by bringing different women each week. So one month, it could be all about imposter syndrome. But each week, you are gaining so much value from a different individual who has different insights, experiences, and knowledge. And again, it has become so powerful by bringing that online. And I have to point out from all over the nation, that's the beauty of the online, just like us right now, we're in different regions and we get to be together with all these amazing viewers. So, so we really can't count out online, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's also an economic benefit too. Not everyone can afford to fly across the country and not everyone right. has mobility. So it's like, it becomes more inclusive and that's a, an extra and accessible. value. Accessible. I mm -hmm. loved that point that someone pointed out about, you know, folks with disabilities or health concerns, like, my daughter can't go out to regular events since COVID. You know, she has com compromised health issues. So mm -hmm. um, online is, is awesome for those folks who need an alternative option. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here we are. We're bringing it to them. <laughs> exactly, David. <laughs> um, Prisa, so how important is brand in, in the cannabis equation? Um, you know, and especially in the in the events uh, side of things. I mean, I think that's what makes your event stand out from someone else's, right? And that's how you attract the right audience and customer base, whether you're selling a product or an event series like Blunt Brunch 
or you're selling product line like with 420 collections. Um, it's all about reaching that correct that that audience that you know is going to like what you have to sell, right? So for us, we want to connect with other executive women. Um, so our branding is such to attract those business-like women in the space. So I think it's imperative if you want to get your brand out there. Um, you know, your branding is everything. You know. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's interesting just to you know to um, to see how. Um, you know, how events both online and offline come back to, to branding. Um, we certainly in our industry, you know, we certainly look at uh, whether it's MJ Impact or MJ Biz. I mean, there's, you know, and lots of others. So, so I'm not mentioning um, an event. Please, please don't hate me. Um, but <laughs> normally, normally they seem, you know, I'll take MJ Biz <clears throat> for a moment. It seems to be so big that it's everything to everybody and because of that, there's there's something that's lost there, right? You, you know, so um, so just to bring this full circle, you know, to to what Adriana and, and I always talk about is when we consult, when we talk about um, consumers to brands and to our clients, we we talk about the clients' needs, and and so are the consumers' needs. So would you mind just taking a minute to talk about? Um, you know, you just spoke about women executives. What what are what are their needs? You know, what what are the needs of, of your consumers? Can can you take a, a moment to talk through that? Are are you asking Adelia? Or yes. You know, I think why and and I'll try to explain it because it really was what we needed, what Priest and I felt that we needed as well. It was being able to again vent and have those conversations of like, you know what, I'm going through this and it really sucks, or I'm going through imposter syndrome right now and I do not know how I'm going to be able to close my round or get this next client. Or it's again like, oh my gosh, you guys, I celebrate, I you know, I did get that client. It, it's being able to share this stuff and have cheerleaders backing you up or being there when you just do not feel like you can do it alone. And, and those are really that that's what the bigger picture is. And then, you know, being able to uh, connect each other. The other big thing with Blunt Branch is all of our uh, guests and, and those in the community gain value through these relationships, because as they build the relationships, they now have that in to where they are going to get more connected to being able to get in front of that brand and close that deal because they got a recommendation because they have a firsthand connection with somebody from that company. So it's not just we're gaining just friends, but we're also gaining strategic partnerships. And even some of these women, women are getting better job positions or being able to increase, you know, uh, get a raise because they're now able to ask for it or move up in a position that that fits them that they've been wanting for so long. Partnerships are so important, especially in cannabis. I feel like compared to other industries, it's so relationship based um, and it's all about trust. And I'm, I want to kind of take us down a little tangent just for a minute, but it's related. We're on the topic. Of, we're on the topic of community building and I want to take us down a little tangent and show. Uh, let's talk about brand equity for a second. This one might be a little bit harder than the last one you all answered. Uh, so the question is, which of the following elements is not one of the components of brand equity? Is it A, loyalty, B, awareness, C, logo design, or D, perceived quality? 
Mm. Let us know what you think. And it's brand equity. And while you're um, taking your guess, a little background, this was from uh, a study that was done. Well, actually, it was a book that was published in 1991 by a professor at UC Berkeley, Dr. Acker. Uh, and he, he did, he basically defined what brand equity was, which was something that people didn't really talk about, but that might give you um, a hint that it, that it came from 1991. <laughs> <laughs> and I see, is it, uh, is it a tissue or is it a Kleenex? Wow. Is it a Xerox or is it, uh, or is it a Q-tip or, or what is it? But, but absolutely, um, branding, branded, branding is everything. Good um, comment, Jerome. Yeah. I always say, is it carbonated water with sugar in it and caramel color, or is it a Coke and a smile? Um, I think this is really interesting. You know, and again, it's it's about brand equity here, so that, that's important. But mm -hmm. uh, it seems like we have uh, lots of C's here. Uh, and Benjamin Kennedy. Hello, Benjamin Kennedy. Um, that's interesting. I'm counting five C's and two B's so far. So the test taker in me, to be honest with you, looks at this and says, loyalty, awareness, and perceived quality are all non-tangible, yet logo design seems tangible. I don't know. Adelia, Parisa, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all of those, logo design seems least important, yeah. but I mean, yeah. it is playing importance in branding, but you want a logo you can identify, read, <laughs> exactly. so you can remember who they are. But when it comes to the other items, I think I'd go with C too. It just seems different. Yeah. Right. One like, of these things are not like the other. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's reveal the answer. It is D. Good guess. Good guess, everyone. But yeah, process of elimination could probably have uh, clued you in on that one. Wait, why is it D? Shouldn't it have been C? I thought C was logo design. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, all the poor people voted C. You are still right, C. <laughs> you voted for logo design, you got it right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about the letter. <laughs> oh, dear. Here's my nonverbal communication. <laughs> Ooh, we have to all have a face. <laughs> that's funny. Well, just watching without audio is like, what just happened? They're all shocked. They're like, something went down. Doesn't look good. <laughs> no, Nick, it's, it's okay. It was a typo. You're okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, Nick. Nick over there. <laughs> please, please forgive us, Nick. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Well, you know, we, uh, as we're coming to, to, a, to a close over here, we've got a few minutes left, but... What we love to do is ask some crazy questions. We got a serious question and we have uh, a funny question. So um, we flipped a coin and, um, <laughs> and with that, um, we, we have a serious question and a funny question. Adriana, do you want to um, you want to bust out the serious question? All right, all right, I'll do the serious one. Um, okay, so thinking about building a team, probably in, in your case, it would be a marketing team or events team you're coordinating. Would you hire someone to who didn't consume cannabis? Oh yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> yeah. That was easy. This is the lightning round. 
Or am okay. I supposed to just answer or was I supposed to wait? I'm sorry. No, that, no you can answer, oh. yeah. That was that was a question for you, absolutely. Okay, so I, so I have a silly question. Yeah, you, Adelia, did you want to answer that? You can if you want. My dog was, on, was barking, so I was on mute for a minute. I was like, yeah. um, what was yours? Yours was, what, what, what was it? They asked mm -hmm. if we would hire somebody that didn't consume cannabis. Oh, that, yeah. So that one, when I read that, that was actually a really interesting question. Um, I think I would, as long as I knew that their intention and understanding for the plant was there and that they were open to going through a lot of education because they need to have education about this plant. If they don't know the advertising restrictions they're going to hit, then they're not going to be a right fit. But somebody outside does can be so creative and think of things that are outside of our kind of scope because we're so constricted and we're so blocked in a bubble right now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so maybe, but it, I, I would, but they'd go through some tests for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it depends on the position too. For my retail, I wouldn't hire maybe somebody who doesn't use the, use the plant to sell it because I feel like you need to like yeah. experience it to be able to sell it. But for an event series, absolutely. Um, again, if you have that, I, we actually just hired somebody in marketing on our team and he doesn't consume cannabis, but he grew up with his dad as a grower. So he's immersed in the, you know, culture of cannabis. So I thought that was really cool. I'm like, yeah, you can definitely join the team. You understand cannabis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. You know, so, so let's, uh, let's ask our funny question because we can't, uh, we can't have a serious question without a funny question. So, um, here it is, uh, Adelia, this one's for you. Um, if you were a cannabis-infused gummy, what flavor would you be? Uh, so I read this wrong in the beginning, so I had to think quick right now as I reread it. But I would be the Super Lemon Haze Energizer Bunny because I keep going and going with business, volunteering, <laughs> and staying social. So that would be my strain. My gummy energy. I love that. <laughs> gummy flavor. I love it. And yeah. Carissa, what would your if you if you were a gummy, what flavor would you be? Well, I am an edible, but I'm a Jamocha flavored chocolate. I just happen to be on the box of the Hippie Chicks chocolate and I'm Jamocha flavor, which is coffee and chocolate. But if I was going to be a gummy, hmm, I'd have to go with pink lemonade. I mean, I love pink. Love <laughs> Plus we make a bomb pink lemonade gummy. It's so good. It's my favorite. <laughs> That I can vouch for both of those. Both of those, the chocolate <laughs> and the gummy, they're good. <laughs> Thank you, Adelia. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for getting silly with us. Oh, thanks for letting us get silly with you. <laughs> <laughs> so where can, um, tell us, Carissa, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, we're not, this is the first time we've had two guests on, so it's, uh, we have to address our oh, questions. Yeah. <laughs> So, Carissa, tell us, uh, tell us where people can uh, can find you. Well, I put my handles right here under my name, so you can follow our business, Blunt Brunch or 420 Collections. And then, if you want to find me, I am Da Marijuana Mama on Instagram, so D A instead of the. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Parisa Rad, or on Facebook as well. Right on, and Adelia. Um, so Aprisa shared Blunt Brunch, I'll, uh, Event High, you can find Event High at www.eventhigh.io, um, also on social as well. And then for me, it would be uh, Adelia underscore Carrillo underscore uh, on socials and Adelia Lorena Carrillo on all other platforms like LinkedIn. Right on. And 
And God, we thank you so much for joining us. Um, this was a great conversation um, about community, about um, you know consumers, about, uh, again, every week it just amazes me um, how different cannabis consumers can be and what the needs are uh, that really span across humans you know, that consume cannabis. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. Um, we love your perspective and we love your energy. Keep doing what you're doing. We love your nonverbal cues too. <laughs> Thanks, David. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. There was a nonverbal cue, right? 97%, 93%, sorry. <laughs> that was fun. Awesome. We are dropping into the chat a link to next week's episode where we will have Sarah Gullickson, who is the CEO of CB Advisors. A lot of letters in that title. Uh, and we'll be talking about licensing. So don't miss that episode next week, next Thursday. And thank you all for coming. That's right. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you next week, next Thursday. Have a great week. And check out brandingbud.com, the best kept secret on cannabis. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.